106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Good morning, Vietnam! Here's Johnny. He told me, keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. You're gonna need a bigger boat. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. I love you. I know. Say hello to my little friend. Rose, where we're going, we don't need Rose. Hey, welcome to Are You Still Watching? Thanks for tuning in this week, guys. We had a whole bunch of listens on the last couple of episodes. And we wanted to throw a shout out to Manuel, our first Patreon. Our first Patreon. I don't know how you say it. I'm still, we're still new to the Patreon game, but shout out to him. Patron. Oh, the the Patron. I don't know. That's a different kind of Patron. (laughs) (laughs) I want to say a quick shout out to Manuel, who I know. Uh, John Marshall Middle School represent. Don't ask me why I said that. Moving on. Um, but later this week, we're going to be releasing some stuff onto Patreon only. And if you actually want to catch the show early, uh, like a couple of days early, we're recording this on Friday. It goes live on Monday. You can sub to us there. Um, another way you can support the show is hit the buy me a coffee link. You guys can give us a dollar. You can give us five dollars, just enough to buy a popcorn at the movies if we go to the movies. Because, you know, Texas is opening up this week. And, uh, <laughs> we beat COVID, y'all. Yeah, we, we beat it. Um, I digress. <laughs> and of course, the number one way you guys can support the show is just by sharing with your friends and family, because at the end of the day, it's about listens and it's about getting the show out there and really interacting with you guys. Um, I know last week we did the Avengers show and this week we're doing uh, Joker, which is another comic book movie. But I think we have our we have a take on it that is different from. I think what's out there. And I know Josh watched a lot of behind the scenes. I watched a ton of behind the scenes. Frank got confused because I was talking about colors and light temperatures <laughs> and some scenes. So we're going to get to all that. <laughs> but uh, I, re- I really I appreciate everybody that's tuning in, listening. And we're getting tons of messages. Frank, Josh, I mean, I don't know how many times I've gotten text messages that, hey, the show was great. Or, hey, the show sucked. Fix it. <laughs> wow. What was that, Frank? Huh? What were you going to say? Nothing. I said, oh. No, nothing. No. Huh. I love it. Fine, then. But anyways, anyways guys. Any, I got any hate talk. mail yet? Not yet. We haven't got any hate mail yet. I'm, I'm <laughs> surprised. Cause especially for going after Avengers like that. Oh, man. Frank. The MCU verse, they, they come at you in hordes. Frank is fishing yeah. for it, too. He's like, where's the hate mail? I'm I'm avoiding it like uh like the plague because I'm like nope nope nope. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So let's let's talk Joker. Um, let's do it. I wanted to start out with the soundtrack because I believe it won the Oscar for it, best, best original score. score. Yes, it did. So, what are you guys' thoughts on just kind of the overall soundtrack of the film? Um, from 
the intro or like something that caught your eye and uh, caught your ear in the middle of it, the end, like what, what was it? Uh, to me, just like the main thing, uh, her, her, uh, it's an Iceland uh, composer. Her name is like Hadur uh, Gundurtor. It's like that. She's like, she was like the first solo woman to win this and the first Iceland to win this Oscar and very much deserved, very much deserved. It was just, like the the thing, like when it comes on, when he's in the restroom dancing, Ooh. and yeah, so I was like, just that whole theme, and so it it was very uh, immersive, like it it puts you into that world. So I was very impressed by that. So I was like, I was like, well, I looked it up, and I was like, oh, they, she won, she won, very much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, I was like, I was happy again for her. <laughs> um. I liked it. I mean, like you said, it puts you into a world. It gives you his mindset on what he is during the whole movie from the beginning before he turns and flips that switch. You know, once he flips that switch, it turns you into the the songs, turns you and makes you feel the pain he was feeling, makes you feel the madness he's feeling, makes you feel the, the I don't know, the elusiveness he's feeling. All of that, it just brings you into it. And like you said, deserving Oscar. Um, no complaints on that. And the Send in the Crown song, that was magnificent. <laughs> Beautiful. I mean, I'm not sure if that goes into the score or if that's just a part of the soundtrack, but I love their, I love how they uh, incorporated that song into the movie. Mm-hmm. Perfect song for the movie. So one thing that I saw, I want to say today when I was kind of researching the film a little bit, was if I'm not mistaken, I think he he had a score or a soundtrack for most of the movie going into it, and they just kind of wrote to the score, which I thought was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I can't say her name. I think Josh said it best. Hildur. <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm not even gonna try and say that last name. Yeah, I, I really wanted to give her like you know problems over come like she, she's the first person from her country. She's also the first woman to do it, and I wanted to give her. And I was like, I was looking at like the video of her winning again. I was like, all right, repeat, repeat, <laughs> and like trying to say, it, but yeah, it's like Hildur Glendendor, and you know she she won. I'm like us fucking up her name is not going to take away that from her. What uh, what what is she? Who did she go against during that year? Can you look that up real quick? Let's see who she yeah, went against. Hold on. Um, if she went against like John Williams, you know, I, I'm not sure if Star Wars had a movie that year. Um, so you know, John Williams is always winning those awards. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see. It was 2020, right? Mm-hmm. No. Uh, Ludwig Goranison for Black Panther in 2019. So... Twenty twenty Oscars, right? Twenty twenty yeah. Oscars. I was like, I, I think it was like nineteen seventeen. Little Women. <laughs> you know what? That sounds correct. Actually, Josh. Yeah. Because it's like the thing that fucked me up is we didn't get to see movies for a year, so I'm kind of like looking <laughs> right? for the the right article, and it, it a whole bunch yeah. of crap pops up. Mm-hmm. You think this movie um, came out see. like last year, but no, it came out like two years ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another fun fact that I just like I, I remember, like I wrote down, look, she did uh, the music for the miniseries Chipolo. Hmm. So I know Zuli, you're a big fan of that. 
Okay, I got it. Sorry. Uh, Frank, she did go against uh, Star Wars, John Williams. There you go. I mean, if she could beat up John Williams, the, the composer <laughs> of composers. I mean, I'm just saying. It was. Uh... Go ahead. Oh, no, I'm just saying, like, if she could beat up this John Williams, I mean, who else did she beat that here? She beat Randy Newman for Marriage Story, Thomas Newman for 1917, mm-hmm. and Alexander, Alexandre Desplat for Little Women. Ooh, that's another good one. <laughs> um, then, yeah, deservingly so. Um, for her to beat that those scores and her to win the award in that really strong category, really strong competition. Oh, yeah. Uh, deserving, deservingly so, she won that award. Yeah, so. so, kind of going off of soundtrack, like one thing that I found that I liked right away was the look of the film. And me and Josh were talking about this before the show, before uh, Frank came in was they even used the old Warner Brothers logo yes. to intro the film. Yes, they did. And like that that just puts you like what are going back to like that nineteen seventies, nineteen eighties mood, the grit and grammar of everything and stuff like that. It, it made it feel like dirty almost because it was <laughs> grainy and the the tone of it like like reading my notes here, I, I keep putting unhealthy amount of behind the scenes, unhealthy amount of because I <laughs> I don't know how many vi- damn videos I watched or I listened to other podcasts that were about the whole cinematography of it, but mm-hmm. that was one thing that caught my eye. And then the other one that caught it was uh some of the angles that they used filming it was very like comic book esque. Like when after he got his ass beat in the uh, in the alleyway, mm-hmm. they do like a top down shot that's kind of angled. That just kind of shows him lying there, and he squeezes the flower so it starts dripping the uh, nice the water catch. out. I didn't catch that until I watched the behind. I was like, "Holy Man. shit, he did it!" Nice. Nah, I didn't even think about coming. I was just, I was more amazed at like the uh, the close ups. Like mm-hmm. it's like in the psychic, uh, or like when he's talking to the psychiatrist, and it's like closing up. Like especially toward the end, he was like, "You wouldn't understand." And it's like right there on his face. <laughs> <laughs> and Another cool thing was when uh, the opening scene where he's doing his makeup in the mirror, mm-hmm. that tear that he sheds was just a one take. It wasn't anything that they scripted or anything like that. It just it happened. And it, I think it set more of a mood for who Arthur really is throughout the whole film. Yeah, trying, to, trying to make it small. Um, and the- <laughs> yeah, man. Joaquin Phoenix is really, I mean, he broke out. He was, his, I would consider this his comeback film, you know, from his oh, yeah. dark episode. And he finally got that deservingly so Oscar that he's been chasing here. I think he's, I don't want to say underrated, but I feel like he is. Like a lot of people write him off as just another actor, but he's done so many freaking roles that I can't like, has he had some bad ones? Probably, but I think Joker was really the comeback like Frank says. Yeah, I, I think like mainstream it probably was because he did a lot of like smaller films. I, I wanted to say mm-hmm. this for later, but I'm gonna just go ahead and get. I have like a quick little list that I'm just gonna like go down right quick. Like, hey, go goals. for it. Uh, Parenthood. That's like when he was like a teenager. You know, it's it's a good Steve Martin comedy and stuff like that. He's a teenager in it, so that's just like you know uh, yeah. like the first big thing that he saw. And then I was like the yard. His first creative partnership with James Gray, then Gladiator. And at the Gladiator, I put Walk the Line. 
and I put We On The Night super, super underrated with Mark Wahlberg. Mm-hmm. Two Lovers. And I also put I'm Still Here, which is fun <laughs> in a weird way to see him rap and like throw away his career. <laughs> and then uh, The Masters, which I think is probably his best performance that he could have won for, but he, it was no way he was going to be Daniel Day-Lewis for Lincoln that year. And uh, her, um, uh, which is my favorite performance of his. Oh, yeah, that's a very underrated one, too. Falling in love with an iPhone. Well, with a phone, with the voice of Scarlett Johansson. You know, it's (laughs) uh, Inherent Vice with uh, another Paul Thomas Anderson movie, which is pretty good. And uh, this is a movie that I thought was like very similar to Joker, where you were never really here. The Liam Ramsey movie, it's, you know, he plays another guy that's dealing with trauma from childhood that stays with his mom. That's also very violent. It's a little bit more weird and stuff like that, but it's like they're super, super similar. Just like that whole little basic outline that I made and stuff like that. So, yeah, he's definitely had a lot of like roles and stuff like that. He's a very interesting guy so that he doesn't really like doing interviews. I don't, I don't know if like you guys ever saw like him in a, like a press conference. He's just like sits there and like not hardly talks because you know he doesn't like doing it. He's a person that likes just doing the work. Yeah I've seen his interviews like on late night and it's awkward in a way but it's him I guess. Like yeah. I, I don't I don't know how to explain it. Great. I was like, that, that is just him. And, you know, I don't know if you guys remember like that rumor, like what he was going to be like in Doctor Strange. Well, they wanted him to be Doctor Strange and it was like negotiating and he pulled out really? for it and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's that's true. I remember that and I reread it. And like he said, he has nothing against those movies and stuff like that. But he was like, you never find a director be like, let's take out this set piece and just add, like, character development. And, like, I don't really think, like, he's, like, a fan of, like, green screen. And then, plus, you got to think of, like, the whole Marvel press and stuff like that. Like, they go from continent to continent. Journalists, journalists and stuff like that. Like, I I don't think, like, he would, like if it was just, like, a one-off movie, probably. But, yeah, I don't, you know, see him signing up for, like, anything long contract. Like, when, when people were like, oh, well, we can't wait for Joker 2. And I was like, you're going to be fucking waiting. <laughs> I just saw the uh, the Doctor Strange thing. Yeah, you're right. Um, I don't I, I don't see him doing that. It's not that doesn't seem like him. You're right, Josh. Mm-hmm. He would have made it work though. I think. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, he's, he's so fucking good at it. Yeah, he yeah. would have like knocked it on and stuff like that. It's just like you know the multi picture commitment. And hey, Joaquin, we need you to do your 150 uh, interview for the day. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you can see like the uh, uh, the media consultant Joaquin, Joaquin, as he's just walking away. <laughs> <laughs> um, so moving on here. So one thing that I wanted to ask you guys, and I guess this goes back to what Josh said about being like psychologically, there's something going on where the character has this psychological trouble and. Do you guys think his mom is to blame for leading him on a certain way? Um, oh, shit. Hold on. Well, before we get to it, let me talk about Joaquin real quick. 
Do yes, you, sir. I don't know if we're going to talk about it real quick, but do you feel that he brought himself, his own characteristics into this movie? Like, if you look at his interviews, like, it's, like you were saying, I had it written down. If you look at his interviews, like with Jimmy Kimmel, that really awkward interview where Jimmy Kimmel mm-hmm. was like laughing at his... Uh, Asking at his breakdancing, it seemed like he was like he was portraying the Joker right there, like the Joker, the mm-hmm. Arthur character there. But he wasn't portraying Arthur; it was really Joaquin. I, I think that kind of might have been like a little skit or something they were doing. No, I don't think. I mean, I don't know if it came out later that was a skit, but at the time it was uh-huh. pretty. Yeah, it was pretty dark. Uh, dark interview. <laughs> I think like for him, he 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 might kind of like plays on it a little bit. And like people like expect him to be weird, so he kind of like weirders it up a little bit, if that makes sense. Like you know, pe- this is what they expect, so let me just do it, and he can kind of keep people at an arm's length away. Because like you said, like he brought a lot to this. He he was he was talking about animal rights and stuff at the uh, when he won the Oscar. People were like, "What the fuck is he talking about?" So, but yeah, I, I definitely think he brought some of himself into this. I see a lot of the uh, I'm still here Joaquin Phoenix in his Joker portrayal I guess mm-hmm. it's it's kind of manic and kind of mysterious but you still like you, you kind of you fall in love with the character and you feel bad for him agree. does that make sense yeah, yeah. Uh, agree and I did ask you guys, Mom, when we were now rewatching it, twenty minutes in, I actually kind of felt bad for the guy. Yeah. You feel horrible for him yeah, because he's just he's doing his job. The Joker. And this movie. Yeah, yeah. He just you know brought that pain to him. His mom made him that way. Um, the mom was crazy in herself that she was in the. The Arkham Asylum. Honestly, that was Arkham Asylum. I'm not really. Yeah. I don't want to speculate anything, but I want to say that was Arkham Asylum that she was in, was. and at the end of the movie that he was in, and he, that he was in also. Um, did they ever say that officially that they were in Arkham Asylum, or they just made uh, us assume that it was Arkham it, Asylum? It's when he's like walking there, you can see like the name at the top of the building, but I, like they never been like yeah. this is Arkham and stuff like that. So it, it, it's, it's like one of the things like you you see it, but like you said, like they never like really say like this was like Arkham or something so it's, it has a couple like you know like Batman stuff like sprinkled out and things like that like if that's what you went like if you went looking for a full blown like Joker, Joker's origin like leading to like Batman and stuff like that like that wasn't necessarily what this movie was going for but it like it had little <laughs> Easter eggs and stuff like that yeah okay so let's talk storyline because I have like 12 separate notes here about just different scenes that stood out to me that I liked. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the scene where he's bathing his mother in the tub and then you contrast this to later when he's smothering the shit out of her in the, in the hospital bed. <laughs> oh, man. That gave you a sense of who he is, like who the character is because he's bathing his mother and it's very sweet and you know, he's taking care of her and he's taking care. He even says it to Murray on the, on the, on the show when he's getting interviewed, you know, I live with my mother and I take care of my mother and yada, yada, yada. He just killed her with a pillow. (laughs) 
yeah (laughs) the dynamic that you get from that and then it's so heartfelt and like the way he comes off that he's this protector of her and that he's taking care of her and then you cut to two hours in and he just killed her oh yeah i take care of my mom that was like (laughs) he took care of her that was it (laughs) um and what she says in the bathtub, it kind of foreshadows her her tragic ending. When mm-hmm. when he when she tells him, "Don't you have to be funny to be a comedian?" <laughs> I mean, that kind of just foreshadows the whole how she's going to end up going in this film. Yeah, I, I, I do like the little scenes where like people are like pointing out that he's not a good comedian. Like when he's at the hospital, like after <laughs> his mom has had a stroke, and the police are like. Is that a clown thing? Like with the gun? And he was like, a clown thing? <laughs> He's like, if you excuse me, I got to get back to my mother. And he dead ass walks into the glass. And, start- <laughs> and I love like when he waves his hand to get like the sensor to open. And you can see it clearly says exit. And one of the chasers like, that's an exit. That's an exit. <laughs> and then the guy walks out and he walks in. <laughs> he, he was like, you could tell him like that was the most badass moment in his life. He was like a clown thing. You excuse me, throws the cigarette all badass. <laughs> Walk straight into glass. Boom. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I think my favorite scene would probably have to be the bathroom scene. When he's dancing, the, the song. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, right after he kills someone, it seems like that's when the when his flips, his switch flipped, mm-hmm. and he went from Arthur Fleck to the Joker. It happened in front of, right in front of our eyes. It happened in the blink of an eye. Went right when he killed those, those uh, Wall Street guys. Um, uh, the, go for it. Go ahead, Josh. Oh, I thought there was one. Yeah, okay. Uh, I was going to say uh, one of my favorite scenes is uh, when he's at Arkham and he's talking to uh, the clerk. Playing by Brian Therese Henry. And the boy. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he and he asked him, he was like, Well, don't you gotta commit a crime or something to get here? And he was like, Yeah, sometimes, but sometimes people just crazy and they get in there. And I was just like, hmm, at the end and stuff like that. Cause it, it, all throughout the movie, you have this unreliable narrator, like, you know, like he has like certain situations, like when he's like watching TV. What Murray at night, and then like he's in the crowd, and then he's on the stage, and then he's back at his house. And I liked that. And uh, at the end, when he's like actually at the interview with Murray's, and he's talking, he was like, "Well, you know, do you believe in that political stuff?" And he was like, "I don't believe in nothing at all." And I thought like that kind of like sums up the movie because people were trying to make this a big political thing and it was like it was going to inspire violence and stuff like that and I don't think that's like what Todd Phillips was like going for like this it it dips its toes in like mental illness and class warfare and things like that but it's like it wasn't like fully going for that I think it did a really good job of highlighting public health because yeah He's seeing a a shrink provided to him by, you know, the state or whatever it is. Yep. And then when they cut the funding and they cut his meds, that's when you see this guy really spiral out of control. Like he was getting help. He was kind of doing okay. He had a job. Mm-hmm. And then like Frank said, the flip was a, the flip of a switch and that's mm-hmm. it. And it's, I really think the uh, them cutting the funding kind of played into the Joker becoming the Joker, and 
and like it's it's something that you can see in in life now because there's a lot of shit that's getting cut public funding wise and people depend on that shit like we see with the pandemic yeah it's very true so i thought that was i thought that was a good contrast from the film to Mm -hmm. to real life here um and then going back to the train station thing technically he's defending himself against the first two yeah but then when he chases that third guy down it's kind of like okay that's that's joker Uh, yeah and it's just like that just breaks the point and uh just like piggybacking off of it, I just want to say, like, I, like going back to Joaquin Phoenix, he just gives an amazing performance in this. And uh, like I mentioned earlier and stuff like that, uh, wasn't really looking forward to like watching this again. The first time I saw it in the movie, I was like, all right, uh, it was it was okay. But what I touched upon the lab podcast and stuff like that, like sometimes we go into a movie expecting the movie to be something else. Like I, I read about how this is like, you know, Todd Phillips was influenced by Taxi Driver and King of Coming, you know, these very looming Martin Scorsese films. Like, and, and those films, they have large, they have a large shadow over this movie, but that's not what he's going for. He's doing his own thing. And I think like, I kind of want, too much expectation for him, like trying to make top films more than Scorsese. Like, I, you know, uh, yeah. I, don't, I think the movie's not as good as Joaquin is, if that makes sense, but it's not a bad movie at all. And, you know, I, I watching it again yesterday, I, I enjoyed it way more than I did like the first time because I was like, you know what, it's not trying to be Taxi Driver, it's not trying to be. The kings to come and stuff like that. Like that's something Martin Scorsese he does. Like he gives you these horrible, horrible characters, and like you kind of just like go with them on this journey. He's not judging them, and like sometimes that leads to like people thinking that it might be like glorifying it, but it's not. It's like he's just showing you exactly how it is and like how it's going to come to the end. And like with this, I kind of feel like you know with Arthur and stuff like that, he's pushed to this point. Like, like you know, violence has come. Like the, like, like Frank brings up the first twenty minutes. He's beat up, like by a group of kids. Talk, he's talked down at his job and stuff like that. His boss is like, "You got to get a sign back." The guy's going out of business. He's like, "Why would I steal a sign?" <laughs> and you know, on the train and stuff like that. Like these guys are harassing a woman, and you know, his condition. He just starts laughing, and they beat him up, and like he guns him down and stuff like that. Like. It was that. Like, I guess, like, I was expecting more of a Travis character from Taxi Driver. Like, this, well, like, this guy thinks he's the only person that can just, like, clean the world. And that's not Arthur Frank's character. And so, like, this is a man who's just fucking pushed and pushed and pushed until, like, he just snaps. Um, so, oh, before, um, did you expect this from Todd Phillips? After the hangover, due date, old school. Did you expect Hell this no. kind of movie no. from him? When I first read, like when I first heard that they were making a Joker movie and Todd Phillips was um, directing it, <laughs> I had no idea what I was in for, which is perfect because, I mean, you don't know what kind of movie you're getting. I mean, yeah. it's supposed to be a, a you know a dark movie. It's supposed to be a dark movie, but you have Todd Phillips, the director of Hangover, mm-hmm. directing this movie. So I don't know. I just thought that was interesting that. They went with him to direct it. I don't know if he has any. Like, does he have any other like dark movies like this on his uh, resume? War Dogs. Let me uh, let me Google. 
Yeah, War, War Dogs. Dogs. War Dogs. Kinda, that's kind of like a comedy little dark too. comedy. You, well, I'm saying like c- coming from like you know Due Date and like the Hangover yeah. trilogies. Like I think like he made War Dogs before those. Like, that was just like you know it's like he's kind of like I like I go based like he's he's dipping his toes into like gun manufacturing and stuff like that. But I just thought I found it interesting that he's the one that they chose to direct this movie. I don't know if he mm-hmm. like pitch pitch yeah. something to them. Yeah, that the, he, uh, he saw a vision or what mm-hmm. it was, but it, mean it was it, his. It worked. It worked yeah. for him. So, kind of going off that, Frank, he did do A Star is Born. Okay. He, he did a Road Trip Beer Pong um, <laughs> Manwich, which I've never heard of. A Star is Born. That's the one with um, Lady Gaga, right? Yeah, Gaga and... Uh, did, did he direct it or produced it? Yeah. So I don't think he directed that movie. Yeah, because uh, that was Bradley Cooper. Yeah, Bradley Cooper. That was his director directorial debut. Yeah. It was listed here on the credits. Um, but I mean, you guys are right. He made Hangover. He made uh, Dude, a he bunch made of school. like the comedies, like the yeah, old like comedies. a bunch of comedies and like <laughs> dick and fart joke movies. Archie yeah. and Hutch, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so like Sorry. exactly. <laughs> so were we expecting this movie from him? Like, was we expecting this tone, this this theme movie yeah. from Todd Phillips? Is what I'm trying to. Like, it's crazy that he he went from those movies to this movie mm-hmm. with no in between. He was a producer. He was a yeah. producer on The Star Is Born. Yeah, mm-hmm. with no in between, he went straight from those movies to The Joker. That's why everybody, when they first heard Todd Phillips making this movie, they were already canning this movie, saying, "Nah, you yeah. can't make it. Nah, mm-hmm. nah." They were. They didn't let the the plan play out. I don't want yeah. to say. Agree. I think I, I think he did amazing at this. Oh yeah. yeah, definitely. He went out of his shell and he knocked it out the park. Coming from dick and fart jokes to something as so serious and like this, like come on, dude, give the man some credit. Oh yeah, yeah. That, that's what I was trying to get. Out. I just I don't know, I just brought up that little that little point of a directorial direction here. Yeah, yeah great. Man. Hey, I agree, man. <laughs> I agree. I was like that—that's that, a very valid point and stuff like that. Like, you know, when like, like I said, when I first heard, it, I was like, Joaquin's going to bring it, but I don't know if Todd will. I agree, man. Yeah, I was like, I was like, no. And then, like, and like, and like I said, like I, I did kind of go into it like too much, and I was just like, all right, well, and I, I think I may have talked about this before with you, Frank, and I was like, man, he's really, really trying to challenge Martin Scorsese and this and stuff like that. And it's just like, you know, he took some of those inspirations and stuff like that, but he made like his own little path with it and stuff. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Was, yeah. So let's touch on a. Uh... On Arthur and Sophie's relationship. Ooh, Zazie Beats. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can, can I go? Can I start with this one? Yeah, go for it. Go ahead. So, me and Frank are huge fans of the FX series Donald Glover TV show Atlanta, and Zazie mm-hmm. Beats. Bates, she's in there, and Brian Tarantino, who plays the Kurt, also in there. Shout out to them, and. You know, uh, you should definitely check that out. But yeah, uh, you're, you're saying that like when she was like, are you stalking me? And he's like, yeah, and you see like this relationship blossom. You're like, what the fuck? Are they really going down this alley? He was like, oh, my God. And then like you get that story revealed that this is all in his head. And 
that's one of the things that like is near and dear to my like it hit me deep because like Sassy Beats is a very very attractive woman I, and I, I like when you found out like it was <laughs> the relationship was a thickness it was like uh, uh, his imagination I was like yep that'll be me too because I, like, I was like that's the only way I would get a woman like that <laughs> so I was like that it, it hit home and like it made me identify with Arthur even more I was like yep um, and she was on a roll too during that time. I think she came out of Domino, and then she came out of here, and then she, did. she was in the middle of Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, so shout out to her for doing all those those like those two rows. But touching on that relationship, it was it felt strange watching it. Yeah, because once you when their first interaction, when they said their name, when when I don't know who says whose name, but they never introduced each other formally, but they already knew each other's names. Mm-hmm. Which was kind of odd when I first saw the movie. Mm-hmm. And then we keep going, and we keep seeing them together. We get, and at the end, when it just reveals that she had nothing to do with him, and it was all in his head, <laughs> it's just—I don't know—it felt grimy to me. It felt wrong to like yeah. see this relationship, and just him sitting on the sofa at the end and with crying to her. I just—I don't know. It, just, it, it, it was a disturbing, but I mean. What this movie supposed to be? It's supposed to be disturbing. So, I mean, it worked well. It was a disturbing relationship. And I, I like that. Like they never like really explain what happened to her when he was in that apartment. Yeah, dude, that fucked me so long. <laughs> I was like, cause oh, she she's afraid of him, like any reasonable person would be. And she was like, your name is Arthur, right? You live down the hall. And he just like kind of like looks at her and he has a look on his face. And I'm just like, fucking run, run. Dude, it, so the stupid relationship killed me because the whole time I'm like, there's no way that this guy's landing this chick. Like, there, <laughs> there's absolutely no way. He's fucking crazy. And then finally at the end, when it starts doing all the flashbacks, I'm like, okay, whatever. Y'all got me, but I knew there was no way this could happen i think like we kind of that was like a little trope that he probably like you know played with because you always see movies like this where like you know it's like a guy chasing behind a woman they're doing like obsessive behavior and eventually like mm-hmm. they wear her down and they use this like that but like this like it, it didn't feel like not you can even like try to act like this was romantic like he full-blown stalks her <laughs> And she was like, I thought that was you. I was wondering when you was going to come in and rob the place. And I was like, what? <laughs> but so, the way that it plays out in his head so well is what made me believe that, okay, maybe he's trying, maybe he's pulling her. Like, <laughs> it was so real to him and it fooled the shit out of me. So kudos to the to the writing team and all that. But it, it, was, it was fucking beautiful. Like, <laughs> I believed it up until the point when it started doing the flashbacks. I was like, okay, cool. Like, I feel, I feel way better about myself right now. <laughs> uh, just like, like uh, everybody just like kind of like knows like something is off about him. Like nobody can put their finger on it. Like even like when he's like going back to the scene where he's like in the office with his boss about the signs, and he was like, are they all, all the other guys are uncomfortable around you? <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, I can, I can see that. 
And then like how he has to like force himself to laugh at what he thinks, like what or like the punchline and jokes and stuff like that. And then like he stops the laugh. And then the scene like when he's in the uh the comedy club and the guy's like telling the story, and like anytime they hit like a punchline, people are laughing, he's just like looking around, like he has like no social interactive skills. And like anytime he's like at another part, like his condition starts to like kick in and he's like laughing and he's just like, oh, come on. Like, so you just you feel bad for the guy and you you know violence is coming. Oh, dude. So going off feeling bad for him when he's on the bus and he's just making faces with the kid and then the mom like gets upset. I felt so bad for him. Mm hmm. Yes, and then he gave her that card. Like, yeah, I was just. I was gonna say this is the movie but, where you cheer on the, uh, the the sick guy, the the demented guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I feel like the card kind of made it worse for him because he gave it to the mom and she's like, "Oh hell no!" Like we're getting away from this guy because he's legitimately crazy. <laughs> yeah, I I I can kind of see her point because you know, remember look. Look at the city, like how like it's like trash yeah. is everywhere, and like it's like decay. These people are just going crazy, and like you have this guy like making your son laugh on the but you don't know his intentions. And uh, okay, that's true. That's true. Uh, and uh, when, when he meets Thomas Wayne in the bathroom and stuff like that, I, I know some people was like, "Well, why Thomas Wayne was a dick to him and stuff?" One, you have a guy meeting you in the restroom <laughs> <laughs> that you don't know. Two, you find out this is the same guy that was like the, that was like doing magic tricks to your your uh, your little son and like put his hand in his mouth. Like when he made like when he gave like Bruce the small and stuff like that. He he has very legitimate reasons to be mad at this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh hell yeah! <laughs> so it's it so, like he didn't. Uh huh. So the the thing going back to that when he's doing magic form at the gate, the thing that kind of like got me too was the fact that even Alfred knows who he is, who his mother is. And he immediately goes into, Oh, I need to protect Bruce from this fucking crazy asshole. Like no question. Just like, Oh, get away. You need to leave because you're crazy. And your mother (laughs) is a psychotic bitch. (laughs) Alfred played no fucking games. He was like, he was like, there's nothing to tell. <laughs> He's like, like, your mom was crazy. You, you're probably crazy. It's <laughs> like, just go be crazy uh, elsewhere. I like that. Um, so, I like that portrayal of Alfred, though. Yeah, like it just shows the early, yeah. the early nurturing, the early protecting of Bruce. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we knew we weren't going to get a sequel to this, so they had to throw in Bruce somehow in there. And I love that they portrayed Bruce, they have Alfred, they have the murder scene with the parents <laughs> at the end. Um, it just played out well. And, and that's, it leaves you wanting more. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, we know we're not going to get it more from this, this, um, this standalone film. Mm-hmm. So, I think they did a good job with that. Yeah. And I, like I said, like, once I met, like, the movie on its own terms, I enjoyed it a lot more. I'm not going to lie. Because like I said, like, I, I was like, oh, I was like, oh, you know, it's a great, it's a movie with a credible lead performance, but as a movie, it's okay. And I was like, why the fuck am I expecting this to be Taxi Drive? We already have 
taxi driver. This is not that. That's okay. And I was like, so I, I had to get over my own expectations and stuff like that. And, you know, just like meeting it on its own terms. And once I did and stuff like that, I was able to enjoy it a whole lot more than I previously did. So what did you guys give this film as a score overall? Like, what, would you stream it or would you just pass it up after you watch it the first time? I was streaming it. I'd buy it. I'd buy the Blu-ray 4K copy of this. Damn. <laughs> Damn, the $27 I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't even have a I don't even have a 4K TV, but I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a recommendation right there. But it's, I mean, I mean it's, just, uh-huh. it's a different movie. It's a diff, it's not it's not a DCU movie. It's not an MCU movie. It's not a DC TV show. It's not a cartoon. It's a different feel. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. You're going into this movie still portraying comic books. You're still learning about one of the most iconic villains in all of comic book history. And it's giving you the insight of, and if, like I said, if you have psychiatrists and mental illness experts studying Mm -hmm. this film and analyzing this film, then this film is doing something right when they made, when they made it. Okay. So Frank, I got a question for you then. Do you think people were right in being outraged that, this film kind of made fun of the the state that Arthur was in. No, I mean it's it's a movie. First off, mm-hmm. um, it's one of those artistic dark movies. Uh, they, I mean, were they really making fun of him? I mean, they, I mean, yeah, they showed him turn to that dark side and. I think there was like a lot of criticisms of it saying that it, it was going to inspire shooters. It was going to inspire yeah. a lot of, you know, mental illness people to just break out. And they were, when people, when they made this movie, they were expecting, you know, someone to watch it and then portray mm-hmm. everything. And then we're expecting to see a new Joker villain an actual real life Joker villain. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I know it's hard, but you got to understand that you have to, especially with someone like Todd Phillips that wants to get his feet dirty with this kind of filmmaking, you have to like just go all in. And mm-hmm. you have to make this movie that is going to get the people talking. Mm-hmm. And that's gritty, that's dark, that's dangerous probably in some ways, but it had to be made for Todd Phillips. He had a lot, I mean, there was a lot of pressure on him because people knew him from the hangover due date. He had to make this movie the way he made it. And I mean, yeah, they're mad at him, but they're mad at the movie for what it portrayed. But I mean, I don't. I don't think they have a right to be. I mean, uh, going off of that, so I, I think some of it might have been studio generated and stuff like that. Like you know, like it might have been. It, it was like a couple critics and stuff like that that were like, "Oh, this might inspire a mass shooter," or it's being sympathetic to a guy that's like violent and like it's like you know downplaying. Like it, it's like saying like a mental illness person is violent and stuff like that. Like, Studio driven, it was like kind of because like we was expecting like when this movie was like a fire bomb was gonna go off, like it was gonna be do- like and like every you know once in a while you get a movie like that, like people will go crazy about it and stuff like that. But uh, just to give like some history and stuff like that, quick history and stuff like that. But remember the guy who they said dressed up as a joke that went into like the Colorado deal and like shot some- and killed people during the Dark Knight Rise. 
Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I, oh yeah. Yeah, they they were kind of worried about it because it's like it's like previously that had happened. So that angle I could understand a little bit and stuff like that. But just like you know, uh, you know, them trying to uh, say it was like sympathetic to uh, you know a person who's mental illness and violent and stuff like that. I could see it. It's just I don't think that that was a very fair criticism of this particular movie. Did you think there was too much gratuitous violence in the movie? No. I, no. I thought it was no. like very, you know, kind of like pretty realistic and stuff like that. Like it was nothing like over the top. Uh, it was fine. I mean, I mean, you're talking about people that watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre and stuff. I mean, that's <laughs> fine. I'm just going off of some of the reviews that I'm oh, reading. No, and... I mean, I do say when he kills um the guy in his apartment, that was kind of, whoa, eye-opening. <laughs> eye-opening, no pun intended. But, um, <laughs> and I do like how he... Uh, let the little guy go. <laughs> he's like, oh, uh, sorry. He had to open the door for him, sir. And then he, he was even trying to jump. I mean, that was an. I mean, that shows you that you know he's Arthur Fleck was just trying to find people to not make fun of him. And I think he wanted a friend. Like he didn't have yeah. any fucking friends. And I think that's who that he was trying to have a friend. Yeah, I agree. The ending. Okay, so another though. question. That's where I'm going. What did you guys think of the end? Perfect perfection. Yeah. Um, him getting pulled out of the of the cop car where there's where they saved him. You could just see that was the beginning of um, Joker's Joker's clan, the Joker clan, with the mask and then him getting on top of the cop car with the smile and and everyone cheering him. What I like <laughs> is that they didn't use this as um uh the typical portrayal of how Joker became Joker, how he falls into acid and, yeah. you know, his face is white and all yes. that. They, they did their own twist on it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think that ending was perfect. It shows, it makes you, like I said, it makes you want more. <clears throat> you know you're not going to get more. Yeah. I still not really 100% sure, like, if it actually happened or this is, like, in his head. Yeah, and that's another thing I was questioning at the end of it. I mean, did this really happen, or was it just you know all in the same mm-hmm. while he was in sitting in Arkham? So, so but, uh, then, do you believe the final scene of it where he's walking down the hall with bloody footprints? It's another good. Yeah, that's another good thing. I was like, I was like, oh, cause it, it, it it makes you kind of think like he might have like killed that lady. Yeah, I think that's. I think that really happened. Um, I don't think that was in his head. I think that was actually happening. The whole thing leading up to that, I don't know if that actually happened. Mm-hmm. But um, it was perfect. And then how he runs away from how he's running back and forth <laughs> from the from the other nurse in that in the ending. I think that was a nice little yeah. touch to like the comedy, the dark comedy. I think they were like doing a little, you know, Todd Phillips had to get some kind of hangover moment in there. So I think that's where that was. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know the, uh, that that time where he killed the person in the mental asylum, and you know bloody footprints and hijinks. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I don't want to go into, I guess, my comparison yet. But did you guys see, I guess, a similarity between, at the end at least, with the police car and this Joker versus Heath Ledger's Joker? In the Dark Knight. Well, he's driving a police car? 
No, yes. he's in the back seat, isn't he? Is he in the back seat and he's just like hanging outside the door? Or does he oh, yeah, actually? Yeah, yeah. I think he's, he's hanging outside the door because yeah, I see it with the mask that he wears. Like I see that in the Dark Knight, but mm-hmm. then the the police car scene at the end. That's what kind of made me draw the comparisons between Heath and Joaquin's Joker in the stupid cop car. <laughs> um, I think there's two different portrayals of the, this Joker. Yeah, I don't think Heath and I mean, I mean that was probably the only similarity they had. But I think Heath was just more of a criminal mastermind, if you want to say. Yeah, he had the most a lot yeah. of influence on people. He had the and he knew how to you know influence people. Yeah, Arthur was beginning to learn how to influence people, but I don't think his whole uh, mindset was that he wanted to influence people. He just wanted to cause anarchy and chaos and all that, but. Heath was there to influence and mm-hmm. actually get a clan and actually, you know, cause chaos. I, Arthur just wanted to go crazy and I, I, I will piggyback off of that and stuff like that. Like I would kind of uh I, I agree, but I would use the word anarchist to describe like Heath. Like he let you know, like he was just fully there just to set shit on fire and like he he <laughs> He was that like he was just like antagonizing Batman like like that scene like where he's like he's standing there after he shot up the eighteen wheel and it flipped over and he's like come on hit me hit me okay so my next question then who is your all's favorite Joker's ooh you get my list going (laughs) (laughs) it's very don't rank them. Yeah, don't rank it. It's it's for me. Uh, I'll just start with there. Mm. I thought that portrayal was perfect, like from everything and stuff like that. From the from the bank scene that like reminds you of Heat at the beginning to like he's just full blown trying to push Batman into the dark side and stuff like that. I've been watching Batman the animated series like slowly, so I haven't got to like the Joker part yet. But I hear like Mark Hamill and stuff like that. I hear like his portrayal is different, but I think you know physically acting and voice acting are a little bit different because like with the voice, like you're there and you you know you got to do the voice and stuff like that, but you're not like fully on set interacting with other person. So it's like it's different. But I have heard like Mark Hamill. Joker might be the most definite take of the oh. Joker and stuff like that. Jack Nicholson was the most fun, though. <laughs> yeah, Cesar Romero was pretty fun. Did you ever watch those old ones? Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I did and stuff like that. I think, like, you know, his was like that That Batman was going for like a goofy uh, camp feel. Yeah, you know, like with the pow and the bang and stuff like that. It was more, <laughs> like I, I, it just seemed like Jack Nicholson was just like having more fun. My favorite scene for that is like when he's like Lawrence and the guy's with the boom box, and he's going down the art museum <laughs> to the Prince music. <laughs> um, I want to say it's Jared Leto. Mm. Nah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I want to. I'm going to say oh, it's Mark. Jesus Christ! <laughs> I'm going to say it's. Oh, that, Leto, that's I, where I ended. I, yeah, I ended did. the no, show right kidding. there, guys. Sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> right, on a serious note, I want to say it's probably Mark Hamill. I like. I mean, mm-hmm. I would love to see Mark Hamill actually portray it on screen instead of just voice acting, mm-hmm. because he has that voice perfect. Like you, I mean, what is that movie that I can't remember? I, off the top of my head, I can't remember that movie that they, that just came out um, where Batman actually kills Joker. 
It's on Netflix. I, I saw it in the theaters. But Isn't it The Killing Joke? The Killing Joke. There we go. There. Mm-hmm. And that was Mark Hamill in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has the, the, the smile to make that Joker, to make a Joker smile. I mean, yeah. I would love to see him portray mm-hmm. Joker on screen, live action. Because he has that voice perfect. Um uh- it looks like he like it looks like he like if you actually see him doing the voice so he like has to like you know have he has to like get breathe in and he has to do it yeah so i mean that would have to take work but i mean mark hamill for me i mean not just because i'm a star wars fan but i like him um <laughs> and heath ledger heath ledger yeah like you said josh it's perfection it was the it was what joker's supposed to be anarchy no rules um he has his magic tricks he's a funny guy still but at the end of the day, he's still there with no rules. Worst Joker has to be Jared Leto, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we clarified that. Uh, I almost, I almost choked on my drink. I was like, "We really going down this path? All right." <laughs> See, this is when we get the hate mail, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there is nothing. I mean, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I like DC and I like the Suicide Squad. It was a different movie. There, there is nothing Joker about Jerry Leto. First off, Joker doesn't have tattoos. There's no reason why Joker would get tattoos. Um, the teeth, I mean, I don't know what he was Thank trying to you. do with that. Um, Thank you. So, but, yeah, we I, we won't go down. That's another, that's a whole other. <laughs> <way to go. laughs> uh, but, uh, I completely agree with both you guys, though. Mm-hmm. I, I really do think Keith was... The perfect Joker, because like you guys say, it's it's anarchy, it's chaos, and and he brought that to life. And he the way he the way he gets ready for his roles are just amazing. Oh, was amazing. I mean, I mean, yeah, it was probably the downfall for him, but I mean, the way he gets ready and actually lives those roles is just pretty pretty interesting. If you actually look and re- research on Heath Ledger, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, he he threw it all into that role and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I was like, I don't I don't want to like just like start nerding out about the dark night and stuff like that. But yeah. it's like I was like, but like, like why don't you start bringing up? Hey, what's your favorite joke? And I was like, yep, let me go in and sneak in this uh, <laughs> <laughs> this dark night. <clears throat> but it's like I said, that was again downfall for him. So unfortunately, and again, guys, if you don't know, Josh is a huge DC fan. So if anybody. Is an expert on this show right now? It's probably Josh. <laughs> what a nerd! Word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Frank's Christ. got a whole month dedicated to him. So me? I mean, you said it. Yeah, we're gonna do like just so we, okay, just so we could get this clear. In the month of May, we're gonna review every single Star Wars movie ever made. I know about every single Star Wars movie, but you know what? Just for that, we're going to review Attack of the Clones twice. <laughs> oh God! Just kidding. Okay. <laughs> uh, something else. I just like want to like clarify and stuff like that. Like, uh, yes, the first two movies we did, we have been like these big blockbusters. Everything we're going to continue doing big blockbusters, but we're also going to go into like smaller stuff and like foreign and anime and animation and different stuff like that. I'm, I'm finna use a word that some people might roll their eyes when they hear this word and stuff like that, but this is a very inclusive uh, podcast. And by that, I mean like storytelling wise and stuff like that. 
like we're all open minded and stuff like that. Like we see a particular movie. I'm not I'm not gonna get into like, you know, describing stuff, but like uh we're we're open to like all type of movies. So like if you guys like see something and you wanna recommend something, we're down for it. Like it doesn't have to be like like these big gigantic movies. Like it could be something very small and intimate and personal and we'll, we'll give it a try. So I think part of this too, like we wanna we want to make you guys that are listening go watch things that we talk about mm-hmm. too. So mm-hmm. we, like I was saying before we started is I don't want to make this to where we do a breakdown every week, but to where we talk about things that we enjoy and that maybe a lot of people haven't seen it before. Mm-hmm. So how are we going to make you guys go and spend that six bucks on Apple TV to rent it for 48 hours to watch it and enjoy True. it? Holy and shit. not feel like these guys recommended a horrible ass movie. Why did I spend six dollars? <laughs> Kiss them on the street. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I, not, I will not recommend Robin Hood Men in Tights. <laughs> I, I will recommend some other Mel Brooks movies, though. <laughs> we will go down the Mel Brooks line, but Mel Brooks uh, path somewhere down the future. Yeah, um, we're doing heavily... Spaceballs on May 4th, just so everybody knows. <laughs> I'm all for it, man. I'm all for it. And so, it, like, we, we appreciate, like, all feedback. So, like, the, we, we had one person uh, listening from the, the End Games podcast, and this person was, like, uh, a comment that I made about them, uh, like, superheroes not dating around. She was like, Tony Starks was a... Man whore in the first one, and it was like, and Chris Pratt Star Lord slept around. And I was like, true. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, when I saw that, I was like, I was like, you, when, when when a person's right, they are right. I'm like, Tony Stark did sleep. You know, it's, it's like a woman slept around. I think it was like a reporter he slept around with and stuff. So I was just like, uh, she, she she did a full spread on him, Josh. If I remember correctly. <laughs> <laughs> See, analyzing and stuff. Like, she was like, well, half of them were, were kind of man whores and whores and stuff, and the other half wasn't. I was like, all right, so I guess like that's we we can go half a point for each. <laughs> I was like, we both uh we both were right. All right, boys. Anything else you want to add for the Joker today? Um a great movie. Um glad Glad it was Todd Phillips to make it, make him go out of the show, surprise everybody. Uh, hopefully he goes keeps going down that route. Maybe he'll make another silly dick and fuck joke movie again. But <laughs> in general, I mean, he did a really good job with it. And uh, Joaquin MVP, Joaquin MVP, Finals MVP, and uh, Zazie regular season MVP. Yes, sir. Oh, uh, uh, just to add on that, like she and she's phenomenal in uh, Atlanta, and they get like each season she has like two episodes that's focused on her. Season one, value. Season two, Helena, and she just knocks it out of the park. And you just like give her more time on the show. <laughs> uh, I, I would say just like you know be open minded and stuff like that when you're going into a movie and stuff like that. Like you're gonna bring your own baggage and stuff like that, but you have to try to meet it on its own. Terms. That's something I had to do. And uh, the best judge of a movie is just like with anything in life, time. You can see a particular movie at that time and it might not work for you. A year, years later, you can watch it and it does work for you. That was this movie for me. The first time I watched it, I was like, oh, it has a great performance. I was like, but the movie is just kind of okay. 
Watched it again yesterday. Still agree about the performance and the movie. Surprisingly, got a little bit better. Like once I was like, stop comparing it to Taxi Driver. Stop comparing it <laughs> to the Kings of Comedy. I was like, it's not. Gonna, I was like, it's not going to turn into it. <laughs> and then like once I put this, like once I just got it in my head, like he was just influenced by it and stuff like that. But he's doing his own thing. I met the movie on this term and I enjoyed it more than I did the first time. All right. Well, that's everything, guys. Uh, thanks for tuning in. And like I said earlier, if you want to support the show, there's a couple ways to do that. You can hit the uh, Patreon link down below. Become a supporter of the show that way. You get exclusive merch after, I think, the third month of your patron. Um, and I think it's for each tier that we set it to. Um, so there's like a print. There's a shirt. I don't know what else we put up there, but... But technically, this show has merch. And if you guys didn't know Frank and Josh, we got merch. <laughs> <laughs> no, funny thing was, I was going to be like, yo, you can get some free merch and stuff. Like, I thought about saying that, but I was like, what if people actually expect merch and I don't think we have merch? <laughs> no, Patreon is actually really good about it. And once you've been uh, a member for three months, they, depending on the tier, you'll get a gift from us. And then, uh, of course, I think once the show gets a little bit bigger and we get a lot more support, um, I'm going to try something different where we actually, you know, we'll send you something that is from us and it's not from Patreon. Something that we think is cool that maybe it's a pop that we found at FYE and they were two for 15. So we'll pick a patron and like send it out. So order that Patron, guys. (laughs) Uh, Patreon, sir. Patreon. Oh, Patreon. Patreon. Frank's <laughs> like that. Frank's like that too. Frank's <laughs> like Patron, Patreon, and that too. The the P thing. Just just do it. Yeah. Um, the P thing. Hit subscribe. <laughs> but as always, guys, the best thing you can do for us is just share it. And the more viewers and listeners we get, the farther we can take this. And hopefully, we can go down some avenues of, of cinema and and tv series that we all enjoy and we can maybe we can do like a live stream once a month and watch it all together so we can all talk shit and <laughs> hate on marvel at the same time oh man <laughs> <laughs> i'm all for that i'll just just you know, follow us down this path and stuff like that we're you know we're not trying to lead you anywhere unsafe I, I was gonna say not dangerous but it could get a little dangerous like with some stuff you can watch uh but yeah i was like yeah just trust us and you be like yo i never even heard of that but you know since you guys like recommend it i'm gonna give it a try or you might be like fuck that i just stick to the superhero stuff <laughs> all right guys uh we'll see y'all next week thanks for tuning in D is silent. I know.